Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. A number of years ago, God blessed Sherry and me with first Megan and then David. And can I tell you, our lives were changed. Can you remember what sleeping in was? I mean, it just didn't happen. And uh, we, we uh, would get up and do those nightly feedings and everything. But what a great blessing. God, God has so richly blessed us through our kids over the years. And um, I'm just grateful for that gift that God has given me. But you know, God has given us many gifts. He's given us uh, our health. He's given us the, the possessions that we have. But the greatest gifts that God gives are spiritual gifts. And those gifts are the gifts that help us to walk with Him. Those gifts are the, help, the gifts that help us to fulfill the purpose that He has for our lives. And, and we need those things from God. Uh, the Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. Everything that we are and everything that is good, God gives it. And so, uh, Paul is, is sharing his testimony about how God changed his life to a hostile crowd, and uh, he's telling also about the gifts that God gave him as he began to turn Paul toward faith in Jesus Christ, and what gifts he had given him since that had helped him in his walk with Jesus Christ. And uh, just as Paul received those gifts and trusted God uh, with those gifts, so also we need to do the same. Uh, we need to trust Him, receive those gifts, and trust Him with those gifts in our lives and respond to Him as He desires us to. So the title of my message is Gifts That Can Change Your Life. Gifts That Can Change Your Life. And if you'll look with me at Acts chapter 22 and verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even quieter. He continued, I am a Jewish man, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and educated according to the strict view of our patriarchal law, being zealous for God just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women in jail as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to bring those who were prisoners there to be punished in Jerusalem. As I was traveling in near Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Then I said, What should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything that is assigned for you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, 
a devout man according to the law, having a good reputation with all the Jews residing there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour I looked up and saw him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why delay? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away by calling on his name. After I came back to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple complex, I went into a visionary state and saw him telling me, Hurry and get up out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in the synagogue after synagogue I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I was standing by and approving. And I guarded the clothes of those who killed him. Then he said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this word, and then they raised their voices shouting, Wipe this person off the earth. It's a disgrace for him to live. As they were yelling and flinging aside their robes and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered them him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be examined with a scourge so that they could discover the reason they were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander, saying, What are you going to do for this man is a Roman citizen? The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money, but I was born a citizen, Paul said. Therefore, those who were about to examine him withdrew at once. The commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. Gifts that can change your life. Um, Paul is speaking to this hostile crowd that had bound him and was beating him, and eventually the Romans come to intervene. And uh, as, after they had brought him into the barracks and so forth, Paul asked to speak to the crowd that had been beating him. And he began to share uh, the story of how he came to Christ. And, and as he shared this story, uh, he mentions that God was going to lead him away to the Gentiles. And they don't like that one bit because in the Old Testament, God had predicted because of the Jewish people's rejection of his will, God would send the good news to the Gentiles. And so it was a pronouncement of judgment. And when Paul said that, they just, they just went berserk. And they began to, to throw their, their garments and so forth in the air and dust in the air. and read him. It's the world's, he's not fit to live. And, and, and they were just ready to tear him apart. And so the Romans take him back into the barracks and they said, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We didn't understand what he was saying in Hebrews, but we're going to find out. And so they stretch him out to scourge him, and Paul says, hey, wait a second, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't scourge me, you can't bind me without a trial. And so they back up, and then the centurion said, I bought my citizenship. Paul says, hey, I was born a citizen. And so uh, he's, he's alarmed because those who were born had a higher position than those who had bought a citizenship, and he immediately withdrew. Um, what, what gifts... Does God give to Paul, and he gives to us today uh, that can help us in our lives and change our lives? Well, the first thing I want you to see 
God gives us the gift of conviction. Conviction. What is conviction? Conviction is when God exposes to you what you are and what you've done and your guilt before God. Conviction is when God shows you your need for Jesus Christ. God does that by by showing us uh, his law and the fact that we've broken his law. In Paul's case, God showed him conviction by saying, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. His specific sin as he killed Christians, as he bound them and arrested them, put them in jail, his sin was not just against those Christians. His sin was against Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said, you're sinning against me. You're persecuting me. What greater sin could someone have than killing people in the church of God? What greater sin could someone have than to persecute Jesus Christ himself? Paul was full of himself. He was a very religious man, very educated man. Uh, He was probably a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling, governing class. Paul thought that he had arrived as as a believer in God, and, and the fact was, he was resisting the very truth that God had sent, and he was persecuting Jesus Christ himself. Conviction can be very uncomfortable. Conviction is one reason why a lot of people don't come to church, because they don't want to experience the feeling of conviction. But can I tell you something? Conviction is one of the greatest blessings God could ever give to you and to me. Because through conviction, God leads us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We realize our need for Jesus. I can remember when I was sitting uh, in a, in a uh, upstairs room watching a video of a preacher preaching when I was 10 years old. And the title of the message was Religion Versus Repentance. And I realized that I was religious, but I was lost. I had never repented of my sin. The Holy Spirit just put that into my heart, and it was so clear to me. He convicted me of my need for Christ, and I wrestled with it for about a year. I kept feeling the conviction of God upon me. Finally, I surrendered. Can I tell you, my life began when I met Jesus. He took away my guilt. He he forgave my sin. He gave me a purpose for living. Um, Jesus Christ changed my life, and it came through conviction. So when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit as a lost person, recognize that's God's blessing to you. That's God's gift to you, to draw you to himself so that you can be saved and know the blessings of eternal life. Um, God gives us that gift as Lost people who need to find Christ, unsaved people, people that don't know Christ who need to come to Christ. But God also convicts believers. Uh, from time to time in my life, I'll be, I'll be going through my quiet time, and I'll read a scripture, and it's uncomfortable because I resemble that remark. And I, I have to say, okay, God, here I am. I confess that to you. Uh, I've sinned. Uh, Fill me with your spirit and live through me the life that you want me to live. So God even blesses us as Christians with conviction. 
Guess what? You can't live the abundant life if you're living in unconfessed sin in your life. You can't live in the blessings of your walk with God. So God gives you conviction so that you, it's kind of a wake-up call. It's like turning the light bulb on. Okay, this is what's wrong. Now here's how to fix it. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just let us go our own way and let us miss the blessings that we could have in walking with Him? That's the blessing, the gift of conviction. The Holy Spirit of God convicts you. He gives you a need in your heart to come to Christ if you don't know Him. A need to draw near to the Lord and confess your sin if you're a Christian. But that need that you experience is the Holy Spirit, God Himself, ministering in your heart so that he can bring you to the place where he can give you the blessing that he desires. Uh, That's the gift of conviction. Paul says, this is a gift to me. I was going the wrong way. Uh, God woke me up. He convicted me. I, I, I turned my life toward Christ and I put my trust in him and my life has never been the same. Praise God for the gift of conviction. So, what gifts? Gifts that can change your life. What, is, what are the gifts that can change your life? First of all, conviction. Secondly, revelation. Revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is what he reveals to us. Did you know that we could not know about God unless God chose to reveal himself to us? When you look out at creation, you're seeing the revelation of God. You're seeing the beauty of the majestic things that he has created. Uh, When you read the word of God, you are experiencing the revelation of God. It's what God has revealed to us in his word. When when the Holy Spirit uh, convicts you or leads you or so forth, that, that is a revelation of the Holy Spirit to your heart. Not the same as the scripture, but it is his guidance in your life. So God gives us the gift of revelation, and especially in connection with being saved, this is so important. We have all kinds of ideas out in this world about how a person can have a relationship with God. Can I tell you, not all ideas are as good as each other. There's one idea that saves. There's one thing that can bring you into a relationship with God. One person, and his name is Jesus Christ. We could not know that without God's gift of revelation. God sent Jesus. Jesus was the Word made flesh. He was the revelation of God in living form. But God led the apostles to write down what they saw of Jesus' life. uh, To write down how a person is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of God. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad for revelation? That God has not left us in the dark. Uh, Wouldn't it be a shame to live your whole life and there's a way that you could be forgiven for your sin and made God's child and go to heaven and escape hell, but nobody told you. Wouldn't that be a shame? Praise God for his revelation. He has revealed himself to us. It's a great gift. Um, Don't let your Bible sit on the shelf and collect dust. That's God's gift to you. It's his revelation. 
It's a precious gift. Be in His Word. Benefit from it. Come to the house of God and hear about it because it's a gift that God has given you and He's given me. Helps us live life. It helps us uh, make decisions. It's, it's, it touches every area of our life. But, but God's revelation especially is important in the area of salvation. Paul had been persecuting this. He, he had been opposing the very thing that was God's revelation of how a person can be saved. How a person can know Christ. Paul was opposing it. And he's walking along the road to Damascus, to do some more persecution. And this light from heaven comes down. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He didn't know. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. That one sentence revealed to Paul a truckload of information. I mean, his whole course of life was set in the wrong direction. In in that one sentence, Paul's world was shaken down to the foundations. You mean the man that I rejected? The man that I I thought was a phony? You mean the, the, the truth that I thought was a lie? You mean that's true? His life, was, his life was shaken. But God didn't stop revealing there. God tells him, go to Damascus, and there's a man that's going to come to you to lay hands on you and, and pray for you so that you can receive your sight because the light had blinded him. And he'll tell you what you need to do. But look at, look at verse 16. And now, why delay? This is Ananias speaking to, to Paul. Why, why delay? Get up and be baptized. And wash away your sins by calling on his name. The baptism and the washing away of sins was made possible by calling on his name. You see, Jesus Christ died for our sin. Paid the price for it. Paid the the price for us to have heaven and all that goes with it. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says that we are to respond by choosing to turn from our sin and to put our trust in Jesus. And one of the ways that we can do that is by calling out to him in prayer. I love that because it's so concrete. How's a person saved? Putting their trust in Jesus Christ. What's one way you can express it that's concrete? Praying and crying out to God to save you. It's a concrete thing. Um, God gave Paul specific direction in what he needed to do to respond to the revelation that God had given him. When you receive God's truth, God wants you to respond to it. When God reveals his word to you, it's not just so that you can um, say, boy, that's a good idea. That's, that's, I can see that. It's not so that you can approve of it. It's not so that you can, can, can just think about it. It's so that you can respond to it. And so God gave Paul this revelation, and then he said, this is what I want you to do about it. 
put it into action. Why, how do you do it? Call on the name of Jesus. Trust him. And what he'll do is he'll wash away your sin. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I don't know about you, but there's enough sin in my life um, to where that is a comforting statement. <laughs> the Bible says all of sin. We've all sinned. But um, as you think back on your life, maybe there's some things that you wish you could change. Some things, decisions you wish you had made differently. People that you wish you hadn't hurt. Um, sins that you wished you hadn't participated in. Can I tell you today, Jesus can forever put that in the past today for you. And he'll take his divine eraser and he'll wash all of it away. The Bible says he buries our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. The depths of the sea. Hallelujah. <laughs> every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you will commit, Jesus died for on the cross. And he said, it is finished. The price has been paid. The debt has been paid. You can be forgiven. Your sins can be washed away. God will clean you up if you'll respond to his revelation. If, you're, if you don't know Christ, you need that cleansing. Without the cleansing work of Jesus Christ, one day you'll have to stand before God. The Bible says it's appointed as a man wants to die, and after that the judgment. That's every man's destiny, to stand before God. Without the cleansing work of Jesus, we will be condemned to an eternity in a place called hell. Say, so I don't believe in hell. It doesn't matter. You'll still go there if you don't trust Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I hear people, well, why would a loving God send a person to hell? I'll tell you something. If God sends his own precious son to die for you and you reject him, I don't feel that what, what excuse could you give for that? What, what could you possibly say to God when you stand before him on the judgment and God said, I gave you the very best that I have. I gave you my own precious son and you rejected him. What other excuse is there? God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave him for you. Jesus saw you before creation began. And he loved you. And he willingly went to the cross for you. To pay your debt in full so that you could be forgiven. Put your trust in Jesus and receive that revelation. What are God's gifts to us? His gifts are conviction, revelation. And by the way, before I move on from revelation, Christian, do yourself a favor and follow God's word. <laughs> it will bless your life. Conviction, revelation, thirdly, direction. God gives direction. Look at verse 14. 
Ananias is speaking to, to Saul, also called Paul. He says, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, that's Jesus, and to hear the sound of his voice. Why? For you will be a witness for him to all the people of what you have seen and heard. God gave him direction. God said, this is, this is what, the reason I created you was so that you could see my son, hear his voice, and tell people about it. Isn't that great? Guess what? We're given the same command. Now, you and I haven't seen Christ. One day we'll get to. We've trusted in him. But we are called to let other people know what Jesus has done for us. And it's a, it's a blessing. It's, it's an honor. Paul was an eyewitness. I want you to know something. There is great evidence for the truth of Christianity. Over 500 people were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. That would hold up in a court of law and then some. Paul is to be a witness of these things. God is directing him in his life. Now, God directs us. He wants us to give glory to God with our life. He wants us to share Christ with others. He's given us directions on how to live our lives in his word that, that, that will live a life that honors God and that brings blessing to us and to our families and to our communities and our nation. God has given us direction. God gives us specific direction as to our life calling. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I know. But did you know that God has called you to the place where you work? the place where you spend your leisure activities, God has called you there to be an influence and a light and a witness for Him. It's His purpose for your life. Also, God will give you specific direction in your life uh, from time to time. Speak to that person about me. He'll just impress that upon your heart. Or uh, speak up and take a stand for me. Everybody's doing this. You say no, and you do what I've called you to do. And we're to follow that direction in our life. But look what, look what else uh, God directed Paul to do. Verse 18. I saw him telling me, hurry up and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. God knew the hearts of the people in Jerusalem. And he knew that the leadership would reject what was being said. Many of the people would reject what was being said. And so God said, you, you need to get out of Jerusalem. They're not going to accept what you're saying. Can you imagine what would have happened had Paul stayed in Jerusalem? Well, maybe he would have been arrested like he is here. Three missionary journeys would not have happened. God had a purpose and a plan for Paul, and he said, it starts with this. Get out of Jerusalem. Go somewhere else right now, because I have a plan for you. Uh, God will direct you in times in your life. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. If you're a child of God, if you know Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and he can give you his peace in, a, in making a decision. He can also put something upon your heart and give you a peace about following that as you seek him in prayer and as you listen for his voice. Follow that direction. That direction is a gift from God. I, I, one time I was, uh, I was, it was a Sunday night service, and usually I'd go around and talk to, to everybody. And this was, this was in my last church, but um, 
I just felt, I started to go towards this man to, to talk to him, and I just felt this check in my spirit, just like, don't do that. Didn't hear a voice, it wasn't, you know, I just sensed in my heart, this is not what you're supposed to do. And so I turned around and went the other way and talked to somebody else. And then I found out after the service that he was angry about, uh, with me about something. I don't even remember what it was now. But he was angry with me, and he was itching to give me a piece of his mind. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? Just give you a piece of... So he was waiting on it. I, I don't guess he was chomping at the bit. If I'd have gone back there and said, hey, how you doing? It, he'd have launched into me right there, right before I preached. Now, that may seem like a small thing to you, but it can be a distracting thing if you're trying to, trying to preach, do the work of God, and somebody distracts you with that, with that kind of thing. And so I believe that was God saying, don't do that. You, you do this. And it seems like a small thing, but guess what? It helped me. <laughs> it helped me. I was able to think clearly when I preached. And yes, I did find out about it later, and that's okay. But uh, God directed me. I, I believe God wants to do that in our lives. We just need to have our ears open, uh, spiritual ears open, to hear when His Spirit touches our heart about something and, and listen to Him. Um, God's, God will never speak to you about something that contradicts His Word and never lead you against that, but He will direct you in your life. So, the gifts of God are conviction, revelation, direction, and finally protection. And he told Him to get out of Jerusalem. That's one way He protected Him. Uh, we see just from these last couple of chapters that it was a very dangerous thing for Paul to be in Jerusalem. God protected him. He led him in a different direction. But look also. Look at verse 24. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. Can I tell you, that's protection. They had a hostile crowd that wanted to see nothing less than Paul dead. That was their desire. They wanted to kill him. But God protected him through a Roman soldier. Did you know God can use people that don't even believe in Jesus to protect you? God protected him through this Roman soldier. Then look at, look, look at what happens in verse 25. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? God protected him by being a Roman citizen. Did Paul have control over where he was born? No. Nobody does. But God let him be born in Tarsus, a city where there was granted Roman citizenship. And because Paul was a Roman citizen, it gave him a unique protection as he did ministry among the, the Gentiles in Roman cities. Can I tell you something? God is previous to the things that we face. He knew years before, before Paul was even born, that one day Paul would be stretched out to be lashed with a scourge, which, by the way, was a serious thing. Many people died from it. And God made provision for him ahead of time by letting him be born in a certain city at a certain time so that he could have a Roman citizenship. God protected him. Now, sometimes God will protect you by leading you away from trouble, sometimes God will protect you in the middle of trouble. We saw in chapter 21 that God led Paul back to Jerusalem, led him to the place of trouble. 
But God protects us. And until his purpose is done for us, nothing can touch us outside of what he desires. And while he allows certain things to happen in our lives that that may be negative, God takes those things and uses them in a positive way in our life. If you're a child of God, that's true. Everybody experiences pain and trouble. It's part of living in the cursed world that we live in. But if you're a child of God, God takes your trouble and he uses it for your good. So, God protects us. Praise God for the gift of protection. And one day, because of what Jesus did on the cross, if I die before Jesus returns, I'm going to be protected from hell. Because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. God's protective hand is upon me. Satan has no claim to me. I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. I've been saved. I've been purchased by Christ. I've been adopted into God's family. God has protected me from his own wrath through the sacrifice of his own precious Son on the cross. Praise God. For his protection, the gift of protection. Some of you need to run to God for protection, for your eternal protection from a place called hell. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. Not trusting in your goodness, not trusting in what you've done, trusting just in the naked fact that Jesus Christ died for your sin. Period. And that's enough. The Bible says, to all those who believed in him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And you'll be protected forever by the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for giving us these gifts of your revelation and your conviction and your protection And and all that you do for us, God, help us to respond to these things by choosing to turn from our sin and trust in Jesus if we're lost. And, And if we're believers, Father, help us to respond by receiving these gifts and trusting you and responding to you in the way that you've called us to with each of these gifts. Father, I pray for these who are here today. And I ask God that for those that don't know Christ, that they'd make a decision.